Welcome to this week's edition of Worcester Talking News, brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment Service for the Blind, which includes anyone with a visual impairment who is unable to read the newspaper. We do have the permission of the Worcester News. I'm Elizabeth Hill, and this week's team comprises our engineer, John Plush, and reading with me this week is Sue Perry, uh, for whom I, to whom I say thank you. Uh, admin is by Carol Hartle and I think Joe Burbeck and colleagues. The thought for the day we'll have later from Keir Aldis and our music has been supplied as ever by Sheila Joins. So this week we will uh, have our, we'll open our birthday book and of course there aren't any theatres open so we can't have the Watsons but we will start with giving you some emergency telephone numbers. Worcester Live is 01905611427. The police non-emergency is 101. Crime Stoppers is 0800555111. Worcester Hub is 01905765765. And NHS Direct is 111. Out of Hours medical assistance is 0300-123-3211 and that's open between 6 and 8pm. Thank you, Sue. So, the service is quite free to users. We are a registered charity. If anyone does wish to make a donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, WYLDS, here in Worcester, WR5 1DA. And we do thank those of you who have sent donations and also to our listeners who have expressed their delight at having us back. We are absolutely pleased to be back and we thank you for your kind comments and your your welcome. Um, And we really have been very sad that we've been unable to bring you uh, very much in the last few months. But we hope we can now keep going, even though it's on a reduced basis. So we do like to hear from you, suggestions for improvement or any complaints, of course. You can add a message in your wallet or put a message on the answer phone 01905767766. But please remember, we're not here every day, so please be patient. I'm going to hand back over to Sue now um, to open our birthday book, please, if you can. Well, we've got one birthday here. Um, on the um, 30th of September, and that is Charles Longston. Happy birthday to you. Mm-hmm. And we've got three birthdays, or sorry, four coming up um, in October. Um, the 6th of October is Margaret Allen. The 9th is Anthony Fraser Khan. The 11th is Michael Jones. And the 12th is Alan Steadman. So happy birthday to you all. Thank you. Happy birthday. Hope you can celebrate. Uh, sunrise is now 6.58 a.m. Sunset is three minutes past seven. Oh dear, the nights are drawing in and it is getting colder. 
Because we're a little bit out of sync with our normal routine of recording, um, we are going to read the headline stories first from the past week or so. We'll tell you the date that they were written and then we will crack on with articles and again we'll give you the date so that they fall in some sort of context. So I'm going to ask Sue if she'll read the first story please. And this is the um, headline from the 16th of September. Hero hero Boy 15 Helps Victim A schoolboy has been hailed a hero by the community after performing first aid on a man who was knocked off his motorbike in Worcester. Oscar Nocter, aged 15, was on his way to Tudor Grange Academy when he saw a car hit a motorcyclist in Bilford Road. He said the man was knocked off his bike and must have... Um, gone about five feet in the air I heard his body smack on the concrete I immediately stepped in and administered first aid the motorcyclist had a fractured tibia the bone was poking through his leg there were lots of people there they were really shocked I asked a bystander to get me a first aid kit from Perdiswell Leisure Centre once we had that I dressed the wound and immobilised it with two bags I then immobilised his head with my hands until the ambulance arrived. I handed over to the paramedics and carried on to school. After we published the story on our website, readers flocked to the comment section to praise Oscar's heroic efforts. Among them was Stephen Philip Irish, who claimed to be the motorcyclist hurt in the crash. He wrote, Thank you, Oscar, for coming to my aid after six hours in hospital a CT scan and X-ray. The X-ray revealed a small crack in my left hip, apparently no broken bones in my right leg, but extensive damage to supporting ligaments, still very painful. Have a splint fitted and crutches to aid mobility, but I cannot stand up from seated unaided. Made a really big difference having someone confident to support and aid me when I needed it. Your parents should be very proud of you. Motorbike is a right mess. Thanks again. Hopefully we'll catch up with you when I fully recover. A spokesman for the West Midlands Ambulance Service confirmed that the motorcyclist had been taken to hospital. He said, We were called at 9.43am on Monday, August the 14th to reports of a collision between a car and a motorbike on Bilford Road near to Purdiswell Leisure Centre. One ambulance and the Midlands Air Ambulance critical care car attended the scene. On arrival, we discovered bystanders already administering aid to the patient, a man who was the motorcyclist. He was treated for potentially serious but not life-threatening injury before being taken to Worcester Royal Hospital for further assessment. He said, I have had training with the St John's Ambulance Service and I felt ready and prepared for the situation. I have always wanted to be a doctor. My passion is helping people. I hope the man is okay and that I did enough to help him. And this story from the 17th of September. Reckless bikers are speeding down footpaths, putting pedestrians in peril, claims a resident. Steve Othink recorded a motorcyclist speeding down Trots Hill Lane in Warnden Villages, an occurrence, he said, is, which is frequent. He said he is worried for the safety of pedestrians with dogs and children as motorbikes are racing down the footpaths. 
At the first sign of sunny weather, the motorbikes appear in the footpaths in Warnden villages, he said. This has been an ongoing issue for years. On Saturday afternoon, a bike was racing up and down a footpath behind my house. Last time, I complained to the police and they told me to get video evidence, which I have now got and sent to them. Something needs to be done. Someone is going to get seriously hurt by one of these bikes one day. And there is actually a photograph of two people on a bike, neither of whom appear to be wearing crash helmets. Warnden Parish North Councillor Andy Roberts said he was extremely disappointed to hear the problem has returned. He said, We've been plagued by off-road motorbikes for some years, despite the efforts of the police, who even seized motorbikes and had them crushed. To stop the problem in Trots Hill Lane, we had gates and a barrier fitted. This is in line with my protocol of easing barriers where the paths are used by people with disabilities, such as the route to Tesco, but making them more difficult where motorbikes are a persistent problem. The gates and fencing have produced a great result. There have been no problems like this for about a year. I guess the motorcycle riders have found a new route that we will have to tackle. The motorbikes are noisy and dangerous, so I'll happily work with the police to stop them. A West Mercia police spokesman confirmed that officers had responded to calls from residents. We were called at around 4pm to reports of antisocial behaviour around Trotsill Lane in Warnden on Saturday the 12th of September. Officers attended and found a group of young people in the area. They were spoken to by police, however no offences were identified. Two years ago we reported a similar problem whereby an angry Warnden resident said motorcyclists were riding at speed around the streets and on pavements causing a nuisance. The motorcyclists, who were not always wearing helmets, were spotted in Purley Avenue, Barris Avenue, Trots Hill Lane and Lippard Habington. West Mercia Police's PC Jason Hart encouraged residents at the time to take photographs and videos when they see antisocial behaviour incidents, as it will help them to take action. The issue got so bad in March 2018 that then Warnden Parish Council Chairman Ray Morris said people were afraid to take their children out and walk on the pavements. But in an encouraging police report given in June 2018, councillors were told there had been just one incident of an off-road motorcyclist in June. The then parish chairman, Nick Fielden, said this was good news, but he remained cautious that the problem could still return. And this um, headline is from the 18th of September. And it's about new COVID test centres. A coronavirus test centre at Six Ways has closed and moved to County Hall. And more test sites are set to open across the county as health bosses struggle to deal with a spike in demand. Four new centres will be opened in the county to relieve pressure on the Worcester site and give more people a testing option closer to where they live. This follows dozens of people struggling to get tests locally or being asked to drive for hours to sites across the country. Many said this had left their lives on hold as families were forced to self-isolate for weeks with no way of knowing if any of them actually had the virus. 
A spokesman for Worcestershire County Council said, Our public health teams are working on plans for four new test sites that will be accessible on foot. One at the University of Worcester, one in Bromsgrove, one in Kidderminster and one in Redditch. These are to provide easier access for community members who may not drive or need more local access, for for example. Residents must book a test online or by calling 119 in order to use these new sites once they are up and running. They are not drop-in centres. The test centres take three to four weeks to set up. Testing is available to people who have a symptom of COVID-19 or have officially been told to get a test. If you do not have symptoms, please do not take a test from someone who needs it. But a University of Worcestershire spokesman said it was still waiting to hear confirmation. It will have one of the new sites. The university has offered the free use of highly suitable space at an easy access centre site, as well as space beside the University of Worcester Arena, which benefits from extensive parking to be used as a testing centre. The spokesman said, we are waiting to hear further. We are keen that the community, our students and staff have easy access to a test centre in the city centre and we will continue to work with all partners towards this. A Department of Health and Social Care spokesman has also told us that there are three mobile testing units already operating in the Worcestershire area. (coughs) The new testing centres are likely to be set up due to growing concerns about the rise of COVID-19 cases in the county, as well as residents' struggles to book a test locally. Charlie Leddington was among those who told us she struggled for days to get a test and her whole family, including her five children, forced to self-isolate after one showed symptoms. Meanwhile, the test centre in the car park at Six Ways Stadium in Worcester, which had become the hub for testing county residents during the pandemic, closed on Tuesday night, with the new regional testing centre starting operations at County Hall on Wednesday. The DHSC spokesman was asked by a reporter why, given the recent problems with testing, County Hall did not open as as a second regional site with six ways staying operational. But a spokesman explained that the stadium is now set to go back to its original use, a move confirmed by Worcester Warriors. A spokesman for Warriors said, The six ways site is being decontaminated and returned to its previous use as our main car park. We've been proud to have played a part in helping protect NHS staff, key workers and the wider public by providing facilities free of charge for the drive-through testing station for the past six months. The DHSC spokesman added, Regional testing sites were set up at a great speed to provide access to tests to make sure the regional testing site network remains available for as long as is needed. A small number of sites are still being relocated. Headline story from the 19th of September. A former Worcester teacher has been jailed for raping a vulnerable woman after confessing to the terrible act in a string of text messages to his victim. 
Michael Layden, aged 61, previously of Diglis but now of Worthing, showed no emotion as he was sentenced to six years and six months in prison at Worcester Crown Court by Judge James Burbage, QC. The judge told the former Nunnery Wood High School teacher, in a single moment you lost leave of your senses. The history teacher's career came to an end in 2017 when he retired to contest the allegations. But a jury decided by majority verdict that he carried out the rape in 2014, holding the woman down by by the shoulders and leaving bruises. Judge Burbish, Burbage sorry, said of the rape, she tried to push you away and said no to you. It's difficult to comprehend why you did that and I do not seek to do that. The prosecution case was that Leyden's text to the victim referred to the rape, including one in which he says his actions were totally disgusting and the result of drink, tablets and stress. In another message, he wrote, I'm sorry for what I did to you. You know I will never do it again. In another, he wrote, What I did to you was my fault, albeit I did it on a cocktail of alcohol, sexual frustration and depression. In a victim impact statement, the woman, described by the judge as troubled, said she had suffered PTSD and had lost her confidence and self-worth in the wake of the rape. She also said she suffered when the trial had to be adjourned in March due to COVID-19. I thought it was never going to end, she said. The Worcester News has previously reported how the defendant was convicted by a majority decision of a single count of rape and cleared of a second. The former school governor must sign the sex offender register for life. He must serve half the sentence in custody and half on licence. As previously reported, the jury spent 11 hours and 8 minutes deliberating over three days when they returned a guilty verdict by a majority of 11 to 1 at Worcester Crown Court on August the 19th. The case was adjourned by the judge after the verdict to allow the defendant to prepare for prison and put his affairs in order. The jury had heard that the defendant stood by his son Christopher Layden, who was convicted of raping a boy under 13 and other sexual offences against the child in 2017. The judge accepted this had placed stress upon Michael Layden. The father of three was a teacher at Nunnery Wood High School between 1983 and 1989, but had also taught at schools in Redditch and Hereford. His wife did not attend the hearing. When the guilty verdict for the 2014 rape was announced by the foreman at the last hearing in August, his wife began to wail loudly and scrunched up a plastic bottle of water, throwing it to the floor before hurrying out of the public gallery. She left the court before the jury had delivered a not guilty verdict on the second count, clearing him of another alleged rape. Robert Tolhurst, defending Leyden, said, It's clearly a terrible act, but it was a mistake at a time he was suffering with depression and monitoring the progress of his son's case through the courts. The defendant suffers from depression, dyspraxia and macular degeneration, 
which the barrister said was likely to deteriorate further while he is in prison without the same access to treatment. The judge said the defendant's behaviour during the rape was quite different to how you conducted yourself throughout your life. He read 14 references supplied by his wife, children and former colleagues and the judge described him as a man of previous exemplary good character. Judge Burbage said, It's possible that night you consumed alcohol. That cannot explain the nature of the act, let alone excuse it. He said of the text he sent to his victim, They appear to be an expression of regret and also you trying to comprehend why you did what you did because it was beyond comprehension. Referring to the victim who had made attempts on her own life and suffered mental health problems, he said she was particularly vulnerable but he added you are not a controlling or predatory man. The judge expressed the hope that the victim could move on with her life in what had been the first jury trial at Worcester Crown Court since lockdown in March. And this is um, a headline um, from the 21st of September. Anger over homes plan. Plans to build 50 homes on city fields are facing strong opposition from local residents who say the development would destroy one of the very few green spaces they have left to visit. Up to 50 homes would be built on the former Toledine golf course, but residents say if the plan goes ahead it will mean swapping priceless natural fields for pollution and congestion. A petition against the plans has so far attracted more than 500 signatures. Campaigners say the fields are next to a nature reserve and used regularly by families and young people. Dog walkers and nature photographers who already have very few places left to go. Building work and an increase in residents in this area will have a significant impact on traffic on Newtown Road, which is already congested and a major point of access for residents. The petition said, Equally, the residential increase will add additional pressure on local schools, infrastructure and Worcestershire Royal Hospital. We seek to have planning permission for the field university universally rejected and preserve it for the enjoyment of existing residents as well as supporting our locally established wildlife and trees. The fields are some of the very few areas still remaining that are accessible and free to the public and for most of us just a short walk away. If we fail to stop further building work we stand to lose our priceless natural fields whilst getting in, in, in exchange even more traffic, congestion, pollution and antisocial behaviour. Housing Association Bromford, which owns three homes that would be demolished to make way for the new development, said it hopes to start work early next year if the plans are approved. Bromford replied to local concerns in its application, saying the homes were in line with the council's policies on trees and green space, wildlife and traffic and parking. The application also said the homes should be allowed because there is an oversupply of green space in the Warnden Parish South Ward and a desperate need for affordable housing in the city. The homes would be a mix of one to four bedroom homes of which 35 would be for rent and 15 made available to buy through shared ownership. 
a total of 99 off-street parking spaces would also be provided. Plans to build on the former golf course have proved controversial in recent years, with several applications facing opposition from the residents. Platform Housing Group recently brought back plans to build 16 homes to the north of the golf course a decade after they were first put forward. One objector to the plan in Darwin Avenue said the roads were not suitable for construction traffic, adding, It would be dangerous for residents and damaging to cars, pavements and potentially houses. There is a nursing home that requires regular emergency vehicles and we have to park on the curb to give space to them and other essential vehicles. There have been numerous examples of damage. We would need, at the very least, a league agreement to pay for all the damages. Inevitable cleaning costs and compensation for a reduction in house values. The whole plan lacks any plan for safe and reasonable access, both during construction and after. It doesn't address any concerns raised in the consultation already carried out. I have severe concerns that this shows we are simply being ignored when our house will be deeply impacted by the noise, pollution and potential damage to the property. It is really disappointing that the council has allowed planning for houses on this land, which is a much-loved and used area for people. City and County Councillor Andy Roberts said he had met with the involved parties over the plans. We met so we could explore what we could meaningfully do or object to. He said, Councillor Roberts said there was a satisfactory housing supply and he was concerned the area would be giving up treasured green spaces. And now, actually, the headline um, is about two, two girls fearing attack and it's from the 22nd of September uh, and it's really accompanied by two interlinked stories. Two young women have described terrifying incidents in which they were approached by potential attackers. Elise Robert Robinson, aged 15, said she was walking down Rainbow Hill on the 20th of September, Sunday, when four men in a car pulled up next to her and attempted to pull her inside. While Keely Austin Marston, 21, says she was walking home along Toftdale Green in the city, after dropping her little brother off at school when she was followed by two men in hoods. Both fortunately managed to escape uninjured, but police have been patrolling at Worcester schools following a number of reports of suspicious men loitering outside in the last week. So the two uh, stories giving more detail. Following recent reports of men acting inappropriately around schools, the police have issued a statement reassuring parents. On September the 10th, the head of St Barnabas CFE Primary School said there had been reports of a man behaving strangely. On September the 15th, Bishop Perone CFE College reported a man had approached unfollowed students in a car close to the school. On September 17th, the man said to be Asian and in his 30s, in a BMW with private plates, was seen talking to a child through the car window, not far from St Barnabas School. The man drove off after he was questioned by the girl's mother. Detective Inspector Ed Slough said 
We do not want to cause unnecessary alarm and we are investigating these reports. In the meantime, we urge parents and carers to make sure their children are aware of personal safety, especially if they are approached by a stranger or vehicle not known to them. I would like to reassure people that incidents such as this are rare, but we have an increased number of officers in the area who can answer any questions or address any concerns that may be expressed. We are investigating the reports that have been made and want to encourage the community to be observant and report any suspicious activities to us as quickly as possible. A spokesman for West Mercia Police added, We are asking people, particularly parents and carers, to be alert, following a number of reports of a group of men in a silver-grey saloon vehicle approaching people in the Arboretum area of Worcester. Some incidents are reported to have happened whilst children have been walking home from school or in the early evening, or a vehicle has appeared to be driving slowly past schools or children. Safer neighbourhood officers have visited schools and increased patrols. Meanwhile, a teenage girl says she was left sobbing in the arms of a shopkeeper after she ran from a group of four men who she feared would pull her inside their car. Elise Robinson, aged 15, says she was walking down Astwood Road in the Rainbow Hill area at around 7pm on Sunday the uh, 20th when a group of men in a car pulled up next to her. She said, I walked to Premier on Sunday to buy my boyfriend some sweets and snacks because it was his birthday, which is the reason I was alone or I would have been with him. As I walked out of the shop and was waiting at the traffic lights, a grey Peugeot pulled up very slowly towards me. There were not many other cars around and as they pulled up, I initially leaned in thinking they needed help, but I saw them all laughing. Two men in the back told me to come. I stepped back, then the man in the front passenger seat side opened his car door and I genuinely thought he was going to grab me. I felt so scared as they were all in their mid or early thirties and really big. They sounded Turkish or Romanian. They were all tanned. After he opened his door, I basically shouted, no, 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 repeatedly. I was edging backwards and then managed to run back into Premier. Sarah was stocking the shelves and I ran up to her and said, Sarah, some men just tried to pull me in their car. She shot up despite having back problems and ran to the door. Then she came back up to me and gave me the biggest hug I've ever had in my life. I cried into her shoulder. My legs were shaking like crazy. It was like a really bad anxiety attack. Sarah walked me home, which I am so grateful for. When we got home, we phoned the police. West Mercia Police's Detective Inspector Ed Slough said... We are aware of an incident in Astwood Road just before 7pm where a teenager reported a vehicle acting suspiciously. We appreciate this incident must have been frightening for her and are investigating. And then um, we're into the uh, local articles now. Um, A dramatic photo was taken after a car smashed into the front of a house in Worcester after being hit from behind by another vehicle. Emergency services were called following the crash in Rose Avenue on the evening of Friday, September the 11th. 
Residents Anne and Brian Morris said a white car hit their car while it was parked on the drive shunting it into their house. Nobody was hurt in the crash. West Mercia Police, Fire Service Ambulance Officers from the British Transport Police for Worcestershire attended the scene. Officers from the British Transport Police said, thankfully the only injury was to the driver's pride. Final headline story actually is from today, the 23rd of September. A teenager was left terrified after a man pulled out a knife and cursed at him when he was walking home from school, making the boy fear he was about to be stabbed. Jamie Jarvis described how a man approached him and pointed a knife at him on his walk home from Tudor Grange Academy. The 15-year-old was left frightened after the confrontation, which happened in Windermere Drive, Warnden, opposite the Archdale Social Club, at around 4.15pm on Monday, September 21st. Jamie said, I was walking home and had just said goodbye to my friends. I saw this guy walking down the hill towards me. He was acting weird. I can't explain it, but he was acting strange. He carried on walking down the hill and locked eyes with me. He gave me this death scare. He was waving this knife in the air with his hands. Then he told me to bleep, bleep, bleep off as he pointed the knife at me. He shouted at me. He said, you, mm, and as I carried on walking away. I thought the best thing I could do was to walk away and not aggravate him even more. Jamie added, at the time I was in shock. You see things like that in the news, but would never think it's going to happen to you. I felt like I was going to be stabbed. I've never met him before and didn't recognise him. As soon as I got home, I told my family what had happened. The Year 10 student described the knife as three inches long with a sharp pointed blade. Jamie said the experience has made him anxious. His mum, Sarah Jarvis, said, I'm quite upset, to be honest. I'm worried about all the children walking home and how safe they are. I would advise all parents to tell their children to carry a mobile with them while travelling so they can call the police if they see anything. Mrs Jarvis said she will now walk her son to school for the next few days as she doesn't want Jamie being alone. Jamie described the man as black, six feet tall and wearing jeans and a T-shirt. The teen reported the incident to the police and says he was told he would be sent a victim support letter in the next couple of days. A spokesman from Tudor Grange Academy said, The school is supporting the child and family with this incident and liaising closely with the police. A West Mercia police spokesman said, We had reports of a man wielding a knife in the street. Four crews attended, including a British Transport Police crew, to ensure the public were safeguarded. No one was hurt during the incident and we have a number of witnesses that are helping with our inquiries. On Monday, the Worcester News reported... Um, uh, the, the two reports I've just read you, actually. Um, yeah, and the girl ran away and made her way home. And that's the end of the headline stories. Thank you, Sue. And and this is an article about the fish and chip shop, which is coming back. A firm fishy favourite is returning to Worcester, according to its owners. Andrew Dimitru and Tony Poffifuri 
have told the Worcester News they are reopening the Ambleside Fish Bar in Warnden. The pair closed its doors on June the 22nd last year with a sign placed on the shop front notifying customers that the fish bar had been permanently closed. The closure sparked a huge reaction from the Worcester news readers with more than 400 comments posted on our Facebook page. Now the pair are returning to Worcester to run the popular chip shop once again. Mr Dimitru said... We are coming back bigger and better than ever. We have signed a new long-term lease with the council and hope to reopen this Monday. We have a huge task on our hands, winning our customers back, but we are confident that word will get out of our opening and a fantastic loyal customers will return to us. Rumours of the reopening has caused a stir with our readers. Over a 100 people commented on the story about the chip shop may be reopening. George Lang said, yes, such lovely food and people, big portions too. It would be so nice if they reopened. Tracy Hankin said, oh my gosh, yes, they did amazing chips. Shouldn't have closed down in the first place. At the time of the closure, Nicola Long posted, best place in Worcester for quality and quantity. Also one of the hardest, most honest, friendly families in Worcester. Never known a time of them not being there. They watched me and my family grow up, my own child, and always taking the time to check on you, all while waiting to be served. There are reason this is the only place in Worcester to have the queues like they did, and I hope they make a quick return and that no one will take the place like they did. A music teacher from... Worcester, this is from the 16th of September, is set to take part in this year's The Great British Bake Off. Worcester Sixth Form College music teacher Rowan Williams, who describes his baking style as ostentatious but tasteful, will rise to the occasion and compete in the baking competition. Rowan, aged 55, is entirely self-taught and will appear on the popular baking competition when it's due to hit screens on Tuesday, September 22nd, which was actually yesterday. According to Channel 4's website, it says, Entirely self-taught, Rowan calls his baking style ostentatious, but, he hopes, tasteful. French patisserie is his absolute passion. He loves the subtlety of flavour and the style and sophistication of French baking, and he is drawn to fine, complex, layered cakes. His love of the Georgian era encourages him to invent 18th century recipes whenever he can. He enjoys decorating his bakes with flowers, preferably edible ones, using what is in bloom in his garden. A fitness enthusiast, Rowan swims a mile most mornings and is a keen cyclist and occasional horse rider. He lives in Worcestershire with his partner who shares his passion for music, the arts and theatre and he can be often found in the British Library, researching all things 1700s. The popular show had been scheduled to go into production back in April, but kicked off in July once lockdown restrictions eased. Whilst it's the show's 11th season, the upcoming series took place at a private location in Essex, after five years of filming at Welford Park in Berkshire, with all cast and crew undergoing regular COVID-19 testing in an isolation bubble. 
This year, under exceptional circumstances, the 12 new bakers entered a bubble for seven weeks in order to make the competition happen. The iconic tent remains the same, but there are 30 brand new challenges set by judges Paul Hollywood and Prue Leith. Hosts Noel Fielding and Matt Lucas kicked off the series with Cake Week. First, in the signature, the bakers get the opportunity to put their twist on the classic Battenberg. As long as Rowan remains in the baking competition, the Worcester News will be following his journey weekly. Work can now start to build a new little supermarket in the city after plans were signed off by the council. The budget supermarket had its plan to open a new store on the site of the current JVM Castings Factory car park off Droitwich Road, approved by Worcester City Council's planning committee in April, and the council has now signed off the plans, paving the way for the work to start. A total of 40 full and part-time jobs would be created according to Lidl. Worcestershire County Council also asked the budget supermarket to contribute £10,000 towards a new cycle lane between John Common Drive and Fernal Heath via Droitwich Road. As part of the plans, the casting specialists would demolish a small underused part of the factory and move its staff car park to the side to make way for the new supermarket. This would be the city's third little, with stores already open in Blackpool and Newtown Road. The 2,200 square metre supermarket would include a bakery and self-service checkouts. A 110 space car park, including six disabled bays and eight parent and child spaces would also be built. The existing car park to the front of JVM Castings would be moved to the side and a total of 125 car parking spaces would be provided for the factory. The new supermarket will be one of several major plans to be built in the area in the next couple of years. A new multi-million pound state-of-the-art hockey centre is set to be built on land off Droitwich Road opposite Worcester Garden Centre. A new care home will be built on the old city park and ride site off John Common Drive. Robert Birch, director of Ashfield Land's Birmingham office, said, This scheme is good news for Worcester and local jobs, and it comes at a key moment for the economy. We're delighted to have worked in partnership with Little and JVM to secure the long-term success of this important site in Worcester. Members of the Worcester News' We Grew Up in Worcester page on Facebook have been exchanging memories of one of the city's more eccentric characters, the late Chicken George. And a search through the archive showed that, by complete coincidence, it was on this day, that's the 16th of September, 14 years ago, that it was reported the death of George Webb at the age of 85. Worcester News journalist Mike Nolan wrote of George's passing at St Cloud's Nursing Home in Callow End the previous week. Mike wrote, For about half a century, Chicken George became synonymous with Worcester, dancing along to the music of street buskers, much to the amusement of the general public. 
No one knows how the nickname Chicken George came about, but common rumour is that his erratic dancing reminded people of a pecking chicken. So well known was he that artists even included him in paintings when capturing Worcester street life. Although many buskers were not phased by his particularly quirky sense of rhythm being a backdrop to their music, there were occasions when he found himself involved in physical encounters with some artists who didn't see the funny side. Also, much to the anger of some, he would often litter the air with profanities as he went about his day. In an interview with the Worcester News in 2002, by then confined to a buggy with leg trouble, he admitted he had a fascination with street musicians. He said, I love their music, it makes me want to dance. Chicken George was fiercely patriotic and claimed to have fought in the war at Dunkirk and killed a man in armed combat, fighting for the Worcestershire Regiment. He recounted... I got a bayonet wound in me head from Dunkirk, but I got him. I lived and he didn't. It's because I got that strong constitution, see. I never give in and won't back off. I'm the one as keeps on going. It's just a crafty little way I got. <laughs> Reader Darren Mears' question as to who remembered George prompted many responses. Margaret Evans and Carol McFarlane both remember him a real character, while Tara Sargent said it was lovely to watch him dancing in the town. Trisha Saunders said what a lovely character and he even continued his lovely moves to the buskers when he had to resort to his wheelchair. Rest in peace, George. Gary Hudson said a real character, always dancing in the town centre with a big smile. And Martin Coleman recalled, he was always dancing in front of the carnivals as he was the number one dancer. Christine Baker added, remember him well, dancing in High Street, as if he felt like it would hit you with his stick. Laugh out loud. Rosemary Sutton said, Worcester people of a certain age will certainly remember him. Who could forget him? Lynn Kirkwood certainly couldn't, scared the mm out of me when I was little. And, gosh, is it really 14 years since he died? Bless him. Um, this is about an unpopular works continue in the city article um, from the 17th of September. Work to improve the roads in a Worcester suburb are continuing, resulting in overnight closures. Roadworks to improve St John's are carrying on with work being carried out on the Bullring Roundabout and the area around Lloyd's Bank. Tuesday, September the 15th, saw the removal of the old road surface around the roundabout and the road was resurfaced afterwards. On the same night, the A44 was fully closed from 9pm in the vicinity of the bank, eventually reopening at 6am on Wednesday the 16th of September. Overnight closures are set to continue for the rest of the week and updates are being shared on the Highways Department local media play pages. According to Worcestershire County Council's website, the scheme is part of work to relieve congestion across Worcester. The work in St John's includes a formal controlled crossing at the junction of the Bull Ring and the traffic lights at New Road and Tybridge Street. The closures and traffic delays have been a source of controversy throughout, with councillors making urgent pleas for the work to be either abandoned or delayed.
In July, an open letter was sent to Worcestershire County Council by St John's Councillor Richard Oodle, calling on Cabinet Member for Highways Councillor Alan Amos to work with the community rather than against it. The letter said, County Hall does not know best. No consultation has taken place with St John's traders or residents. This is a scheme being imposed upon St John's against our will. In response, Councillor Amos said, The Council had consulted residents and traders and the once-in-a-lifetime scheme would improve St John's. Other similar schemes in the city include the removal and replacement of Sabrina Bridge, which will take place in November, and the ongoing works in Pump Street, which has been resurfaced and improved throughout the summer. A senior police officer has apologised after tweeting that an operation to catch dangerous drivers had been cancelled for health and safety reasons. In a now-deleted tweet, Superintendent Steph Brighton told cycling campaigners Bike Worcester that Operation Close Pass, where police officers on bicycles log data on drivers who pass too closely, would not go ahead. She tweeted, Regrettably, Operation Close Pass will not be taking place. Officer safety is my priority and a health and safety assessment by a specialist who has spoken to other forces has determined the risk is too great. I cannot deliberately put officers at risk. However, West Mercia police backtracked after they were asked whether the city's streets were therefore too dangerous for cyclists. Deputy Chief Constable Julian Moss said, We'd like to apologise for any confusion around our participation in Operation Close Pass. Whilst we always take into consideration health and safety matters, we can confirm that we will be taking part. We will keep our communities up to date with our Operation Close Pass activities. Superintendent Brighton, who is South Worcestershire Policing Commander, later said... I have removed an earlier tweet that incorrectly stated South Worcestershire officers would not be taking part in this operation. It was simply a breakdown in communications and I'm sorry, we will be taking part. Danny Brothwell from Bike Worcester said he was pleased to see the operation was to go ahead, saying, The roads in Worcester are not too dangerous for cycling as many Bike Worcester members and others choosing to travel by bike who regularly use the roads will testify. I was surprised the police made that statement, but also very pleased they've reconsidered. Could the roads be safer? Absolutely. Whilst the majority of drivers are aware of their responsibilities, there remain many who either need more education regarding interaction with other road users or who deliberately flout the highway code. Other UK police forces are successfully improving driving standards with close pass operations. And it's brilliant to see West Mercia following suit with evidence-based policing. A teacher from a Worcester primary school has won a prestigious award. Robert Harrison from Perryfields Primary Pupil Referral Unit has won a Silver Pearson National Teaching Award in the Award for Teacher of the Year in a Primary School. 
Selected from thousands of nominations, Mr Harrison was one of 87 teachers, lecturers and school staff across the country who was entered for the awards. Mr Harrison said, I'm extremely honoured, proud and shocked to win the Pearson Primary School Silver Teacher Award and would like to thank and share this award with all my amazing colleagues, past and present, and governors at Perryfields Primary, Prue who all contributed towards making this such a wonderful, inclusive and happy school. A special mention to all the pupils and parents who have experienced life at Perryfields and to Randstad Education, who have sponsored and presented the award today. It was such a shock to see my family and friends there and all the pupils, the outdoor socially distant ceremony on such a beautiful sunny day. Head teacher Pete Hines said, I am incredibly proud of Rob's achievement and the Perryfields team. We were all dedicated to improving the lives of vulnerable children. As a Silver Teaching Award winner, Mr Harrison will now be considered for a Gold Teaching Award in his category, which will be announced later this year. The Silver Teaching Award trophy was presented to Mr Harrison at the school in Glebe Close. A uh, football report now. Uh, two Worcestershire clubs uh, insist their fans had nothing to do with criminal damage allegedly committed during a football match at Six Ways Stadium. Security called for police support to eject two men from the ground, primarily the home of Worcester Warriors, during a pre-season friendly between Worcester Raiders and Evesham United on Friday, August the 28th. It was the second match Raiders had hosted at the club's new headquarters, following a takeover by Warriors owners Colin Goldring and Jason Whittingham over the summer. A spokesperson for Warriors confirmed damage to property had been reported to police and that one person has been banned from six ways. They declined to comment on how the damage had been caused. Raiders chairman Steve Harris confirmed he had witnessed the incident. He declined to detail what he had seen but indicated neither of the alleged instigators had been known to his club. It was nothing to do with Worcester Raiders whatsoever, he said. I witnessed the gentleman in question. I asked who they were and security said they didn't know. All we knew was that we hadn't seen them before. Security staff did their jobs and police were called out. It was dealt with. Harris confirmed he has had no contact with Evesham United, saying it had been left to six ways to pass over to the police. Evesham chairman Jim Cockerton had not been made aware of any problems prior to being contacted by the Worcester News. He did not attend the match himself, but said Vice Chairman Chris Wright and his son had witnessed the incident and reported back the same account as a female supporter who was asked for her version of events by United's safety officer Andy Beasley. They all said it was two Worcester supporters in their mid-twenties and that they were having an altercation with the stewards, said Cockerton. I know the witness. She is a long-standing supporter of our club and she told our safety officer they were not Evesham United supporters. We only took about 20 and more or less we know all of our supporters. 
I am happy to stand by what I have been told by people I know to be reliable and totally refute any suggestion this had anything to do with Evesham supporters. A statement from West Mercia Police read, We were called out at around 8.45pm on August 28th to Six Ways Stadium after two men were causing a disturbance and refused to leave when asked to by security staff. Officers attended and an investigation into criminal damage has been launched after fence panels were damaged. Police would not confirm where the alleged perpetrators are from because no arrests have yet been made. A Warriors statement said, We have a zero-tolerance policy in relation to crowd trouble at Six Ways and it is now a police matter. We've had two Raiders home matches since which have been incident-free and it is our intention to replicate the, the rugby match day experience in conjunction with the football. An idiot driver was racing and claimed he did not see a police officer with a speed gun standing in the front of, um, front of the road he was driving on. The officer who waved Kieran Millard down had to step back out of the road to avoid being hit by a defendant's speeding car. The 22-year-old of Bath Road, Worcester, admitted driving without due care and attention, speeding and failing to stop for a police officer when he appeared at Worcester Magistrates Court on Thursday. Because he could not get a phone signal, he couldn't immediately prove he had a policy of insurance at all and was told to go upstairs where he would get a better signal to enable the prosecutor to see the document. The defendant told magistrates, I haven't got time for this. I've got to get back to work or I'm going to be sacked. Magistrates told him that this matter took priority and when he returned to court, Millard further admitted driving without insurance. Although he had insurance at the time, his licence had been revoked by the DVLA and therefore it was invalid. The court heard that speed checks were being performed by police on Whittington Road in Worcester on June the 4th this year. Amanda Tompkins, prosecuting, said an officer formed the opinion that Millard was driving faster than the 40 miles an hour limit and recorded him doing 62 miles an hour with a handheld camera. The officer indicated for the driver to pull over into lane one, but he showed no sign of stopping, so that he stepped into the lane and waved at Millard to get him to stop. The officer said the vehicle sped up and I could hear the engine rev. I had to stand back to avoid being hit by him. Millard was later spoken to by police at a petrol station, where he told an officer he was currently disqualified. Checks showed his licence had been revoked, pending the defendant sitting another driving test. He admitted the offences up the roadside. Millard represented himself and said, the officer was stood behind a silver courser. I could not even see him. By the time I was coming up, the courser, he was running into my road. I genuinely didn't see him. The clerk of the court asked him the reason he was travelling at that speed. Millard said, I was being an idiot. I was racing another car. Magistrates fined him £1,064, £135 costs and £106 victim surcharge. He offered to pay in instalments of £50 a week. Magistrates placed six penalty points on his licence for driving without due care and ordered his licence to be endorsed with details of the other offences.
Story from the 18th. A taxi driver nearly crashed after his window was smashed after someone threw something at his window as he was driving. Zana Zahir was driving through Ambleside Drive, Warnden, to collect a passenger at around 9pm on Sunday the 20th uh, in, the, in the evening when the attack happened. He said, I was driving along when suddenly I heard this almighty crash by the side of me. It was terrifying. I was covered in glass on my face and arms. I didn't see anyone or anything. It was so unexpected, I almost crushed the car. My window was smashed into a thousand tiny pieces. I was in shock, but I pulled over and phoned the police. Some neighbours came out to see if I was all right. I waited with them for the police to come. Mr Zahir from St John's said he has been left feeling uneasy about returning to work after the attack. The 43-year-old said, I have been driving for over 20 years and a taxi driver for seven, but this has really shaken me. Just seconds before the window was smashed, I felt a bit chilly and so put the window up. If I hadn't done that, I could have been hit in the face and been seriously hurt. Not to mention the fact I was driving and could have crushed and hurt myself or someone else. I keep thinking about how dangerous it was. I was very lucky it was just my taxi that was damaged. I could easily have had a passenger or my children with me in the car. It doesn't bear thinking about. I have heard stories of other similar incidents happening recently. I just want to warn others to be extra vigilant as things like this could cause a death. I felt lucky to have escaped with my life. Mr Zahir has also been unable to work for four days due to the damage to his taxi. He said, I had a school contract that I couldn't complete as my windows took four days to be replaced. I obviously won't get paid for the days I have missed because I couldn't do the work. I will wait until Monday to restart. I don't feel comfortable going out on a weekend or at night anymore. This has really made me feel uneasy on the road. A spokesman for West Mercia Police said, We received a report that on Sunday the 13th of September at around 9pm a motorist was travelling along Ambleside Drive when it is believed an object was thrown at the vehicle. The object hit the passenger side front window, causing it to smash. Chief Inspector Gareth Morgan said, Throwing objects at vehicles is very dangerous and reckless and can result in serious injury. This type of incident can have very serious consequences for all road users. Anyone with information can call the police on 007561 of the 15th of September or report online. Um, this is from 17th of September. Artists are being offered the chance to transform 30 elephants as Worcester gears up for its second major public art trail in summer 2021. St Richard's Hospice will bring the decorated sculptures to the city streets and public places next summer, forming Worcester's big parade. The Wild in Art event follows on from a hugely successful giraffe trail in summer 2018, also led by the Worcestershire-based hospice. By involving 
the local arts and culture sectors in this exciting event, St Richard's and Wild in Art hope to create another visually stunning art trail which will both raise money for the hospice care and bring people back into the city after a challenging 2020. Artists can enter up to three designs by filling in a submission form which is available via the Worcester's Big Parade website. Designs must be submitted by Friday, the January the 8th, 2021. Story from the 18th. A Nazi flag outside a Worcester house has shocked locals, but the owner says he meant no offence. The red flag is flying in the garden of Steve Allman, who lives in Hurst Lane. Mr Allman, a retired finance manager and keen vexiologist, studier of flags and symbols, that is, uh, said he put up the controversial flag to commemorate the day when three British warboats sank the first German U-boat. He said, I did think the symbol may cause some controversy, but I didn't mean to cause any offence. The Nazi symbol was actually first used by Buddhists. It's used to symbolise peace before it was purloined by the Nazis. I put up the Confederate flag a few years ago and that also caused controversy. I like to change the flag to remember certain anniversaries and special dates or just as an educational thing in terms of the history. I shall soon change it to a smiley face to try and bring some cheer to these difficult times we're all facing. I have been doing this for many years and have hundreds of different flags. I first got my flagpole as a wedding gift. I just find them so significant and symbolic. It fascinates me and resonates with others. I have people stop and come to the house to talk about my flags. I put up a Bermuda flag and a young lad came round to thank me for flying his flag. I have an Estonian woman who do the same. It brings the communities together and my flags are always the talk of the village. However, a passerby who did not wish to be named doesn't think it acceptable to fly a flag with a Nazi symbol on it. She said, I did a double take when I saw a flag bearing a swastika and eagle flying from a flagpole. This is the day after the Battle of Britain anniversary and I don't believe that is a coincidence. I think it is provocative and offensive to victims of the Nazis and those whose family members sacrificed so much to defeat Hitler in the Second World War. How depressing that the homeowner obviously feels safe in the current political climate to display openly their support of such evil views. A spokesman for West Mercia Police said, We have received a report of a hate incident in relation to a flag being flown outside a property in Hinlip. This is now being investigated. It is not illegal to fly the Nazi flag in Britain. And this is from the 17th of September. The search for a new boss of the region's fire service has started. Nathan Travis, Chief Officer of Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service, recently announced he will be retiring next year and the search for his successor has already started. Hereford and Worcester Fire Authority agreed to move ahead with finding a replacement Chief Fire Officer at a meeting on Wednesday, September the 16th. Mr Travis was appointed in April 2016. Chairman of the Fire Authority, 
Councillor Roger Phillips said he was saddened by the decision, with members adding Mr Travis would be a great loss to the fire service. Councillor Richard Udall had argued the fire authority could look outside of the fire service to find a new chief officer, but most members disagreed. He said it would not stop the authority from appointing an experienced person from within the fire service, but also help them widen the net to recruit the best person in the fairest way. Councillor Kit Taylor said the appointment should go to a uniformed officer. If you're running into burning building, it must be quite comforting to know that whoever is telling them to do it has actually done it themselves, he said. Councillor Fran Aborski agreed and said with coronavirus and the ongoing row over the governance of the fire service, the authority needed to choose the most secure, most stable candidate. West Mercia Police and Crime Commissioner John Campion wants to take over governing the fire service, which he claims will save around £4 million a year, but a decision will not be made until the PCC elections in May next year. Mr Campion paid tribute to the outgoing chief, calling him exceptionally professional, and the fire service had left, been left sorry, with a better position than when he took over. Uh, Two stories now, one from the 18th and one from today, the 23rd, um, are interrelated. Ramps leading up to one of the main pedestrian routes across the Severn have been closed from this week. Renovation work is being carried out on Sabrina Bridge and the ramps leading up to it will be closed. Uh, That is as from Monday the 21st. As a result, there are road closures in place while engineers remove the span of the existing bridge before the installation of a new structure in the winter. This means users of the bridge who need to use the ramps to access it will have to use Worcester Bridge instead. But the steps leading to the bridge will remain open until it's removed, so actually those are closed now. Um, Traffic lights were in place uh, in Hilton Road uh, from the 21st. Uh, According to Worcestershire County Council, the work was being carried out now as it was vital to get it done before the winter months. The council said due to other priority infrastructure works taking place and restrictions on the availability and supply of materials such as steel during lockdown, This is the first opportunity it has had to begin the work. It's planned for it to occur from mid-October for a period of up to six weeks. Two cranes are located in Hilton Road, while the main crane will be in Grandstand Road. Due to the size, weight and reach of the crane located in Grandstand Road, that road is also fully closed. Part of the cranes located in Hilton Road will need to be positioned on the road itself, which is why a lane is closed during the work. The new bridge decking is a composite material which has been specifically chosen as it performs much better in wintry conditions than the current wooden slats. Um, So, um, Councillor Richard O'Dell, who represents St John's Ward, says the traffic queues in St John's have been horrendous. It's due to the bridge work, but also the ongoing roadworks in the heart of St John's. 
The councillor said he's been told by parents they've been struggling to collect their children on time from school. Uh, he's heard from residents how frustrated and upset they were when it took them over an hour to get home to St John's and across the river. There were cases where students were left at school and couldn't be picked up by their parents on time. It's clearly not appropriate to have the main diversion route through St John's when St John's roadworks are taking place to also be obstructed by traffic lights. It's simply not good enough that people are being expected to be obstructed on their way from a busy day at work. We need to do something to help them. It's causing chaos, aggravation and misery and we can't allow this to continue. The traffic is all throughout the day and this will be going on for a number of months. It's not appropriate to do this at the same time as the roadworks in St John's. Councillor Udell says he's asked the council to either allow the works to continue but not obstruct the road or suspend the works until a more appropriate time. He says the timing is wrong. It's unfortunate, but we have to find a way to move those temporary traffic lights. To carry on regardless is not an option. A council spokesman said the works at St John's and those on Sabrina Bridge are extremely important schemes for Worcester and both need to be completed as soon as possible. We are continually reviewing the traffic management measures put in place to facilitate both schemes with a view to getting the best flow of traffic through the area. Um, this is from the 18th of September. Um, a memorial bench has been installed on the banks of the River Severn in Worcester in honour of a popular Worcester councillor. Councillor Stuart Denley Maxwell died on June the 10th in 2019 at the age of 60. The bench located on Cleve Walk opposite the west door of Worcester Cathedral was unveiled on Tuesday September the 15th which would have been Councillor Denley Maxwell's birthday. Fellow Claims councillor Andy Stafford, who originally suggested that a riverside memorial bench be installed, said, The River Severn was of particular significance to Stuart. <clears throat> in his childhood, he would swim in the river. He had a long-term association with the rowing club, and he'd regularly walk his dog Daisy along the riverside. Stuart was a strong supporter of the Riverside Park and took a keen interest in its development. He served two terms on Worcester City Council as an elected member for Claines. He was elected in 1988 and held the seat until 1994, when he stood down because of work and family commitments. He was re-elected in the Claines Ward in 2018. His family have local connections stretching back many years. Both his father and grandfather were parish priests in Worcester, whilst his mother was a magistrate on the Worcester bench for 25 years. His mother's family have lived in the area for many generations. His great-great-grandfather was John Corbett, who represented Droitwich in Parliament for 17 years in the Victorian era. He was known as the Salt King and was MP for Droitwich in the 1870s. A portrait of another ancestor, Sir John Packington, is displayed in Worcester Guildhall. Worcester City Council colleagues paid tribute to Councillor Denley Maxwell, who was well-liked and respected by members across the political divide. Now, um, we had an event um, recently um, called the Mayor's Best of Worcester Awards 2020. 
Um, and they were inaugurated by then Mayor uh, Councillor Alan Amos and have been held in the city for four times, four years. Um, this year, the awards were delayed by the coronavirus pandemic and were presented by last year's Mayor, Councillor Alan Ditter, who uh, was also behind the scheme. And they were presented on September the 12th. And I'll just read you the various categories and the winners. So supporting the Asian community uh, was Harris Salim. Supporting the Polish community was Thomas Witznienski. And supporting the LBG, LB, LGBTQ sorry, and community was Andre Oldfield, Amanda Hickling, Daniel, and Daniel Somerville. Worcester's unsung hero were Mohammed Sayab and outstanding work, this is for Ox, Oscar Saxelby Lee, was Pitmaston School. Um, in the This Girl Can, the nominations were Charlotte Eastwood, Supercell and Leanne Gillies and the winner was Charlotte Eastwood. In the Team Award... Uh, the nominations were Discover History, St Richard's Hospice at Home and Ourselves, Worcester News and Equipment Service for the Blind, and we won an award. The Long Service Award nominees were Janet Stilgo, Paul Damari and Margaret Jones, and Janet Stilgo was the winner for that. And Going the Extra Mile nominees were Two Pennies Money Advice, Margaret and Gordon Chamberlain and Val Hurst. And the winner there was Margaret and Gordon Chamberlain. And in the best young musicians, the players were Amy Palmer, Harrison Lever, Emily Vine Taft, Ben Etridge, Josh Etridge, Maya Crossland and Dan Lightowler from Tudor Grange Academy and Alfred Kelsey from Bishop Perone. And I think Tudor Grange Academy were the winners there. And so it fell to myself and Carol Hartle to collect our award, which is a rather nice um, glass plaque, um, hexagonal, uh, in, engraved with the city coat of arms and the appropriate um, uh, year and so forth, Mayor's Award. And they were presented on the Guildhall steps at a social distance, of course, and each uh, award in its box, suitably wiped clean, was placed on the table and each winner was invited to uh, ascend the steps, uh, take the award out of the box and pose for photographs. Uh, the Worcester News um, did a report on the 19th of September, but unfortunately they have only covered the winner for the Polish Association Thomas Witzianski, and haven't really mentioned any of the other nominees, which is very remiss of them, and I think very sad for everyone involved. Um, but it was great that after 42 years, Worcester News and Equipment Service for the Blind got some recognition and acknowledgement. And um, I was able, although they didn't really want speeches, um, I did actually thank the mayor um, for choosing us and Councillor Amos 
and all the volunteers who make this production possible. It, we really couldn't do it without everyone. We don't have any paid staff. We keep rolling on volunteers and it was a tribute to them and the award is here with some photographs here in Wilds Lane. Tributes have been paid to a brave woman who has been battling cancer. <clears throat> Lorna Crofter, who touched the lives of many in the community, has died after fighting bowel cancer. Lorna, 56, was a campaigner and advocate for vulnerable people, using her own experience to push for better funded services in the city. Former Mayor of Worcester, Jabba Riaz, said he was truly gutted about the passing of Lorna. The city councillor added... I got to know her during my mayoral year. She has done some really good work in the community. She focused on mental health issues and domestic abuse, all these things she had been through personally. She really took on my message, love, not hate. She had some personal problems herself, but she was so busy helping others, she couldn't seek help for herself. Her passion, enthusiasm and her love for helping others was her drive for carrying on through her pain. She affected a lot of people. City Councillor Joy Squires, Chair of Environment Committee, said, I knew Lorna best from her frequent appearances at committee meetings in the Guildhall. She was a campaigner and advocate for vulnerable people, using her own experience with different agencies to press for better funded services and a compassionate approach. After one meeting, I walked with her through the city centre. She stopped to talk to every homeless person she saw, checking that they had enough food to get them through the night. There will be many in Worcester greatly saddened by her passing. City Councillor Lynn Denham said Lorna was a familiar figure in so many ways. She loved our community cafes, the parks and the shared public spaces. I am not quite sure when I first met her, but I am pretty certain it was on a visit to the Asher Centre, also gone but not forgotten, which was a much-loved safe place for women. I had many fascinating conversations with Lorna over the years about her past, her travails, her achievements and her vision for knitting the community back together. She was a troubled soul who struggled with mental illness and then with bowel cancer. Many people worried about her, but she kept going against the odds. Rest in peace. Now, this is a little bit of a health message, a seasonal reminder from Dr Ian Tate uh, from Herefordshire and Worcestershire Clinical Commissioning Group. And he writes... In the light of the risk of both flu and COVID-19 circulating this winter, the National Flu Immunisation Programme will be particularly important for protecting vulnerable people and supporting the resilience of the health and care system. It's not too early to start thinking about how we will look after ourselves and loved ones this winter and keep our local healthcare services from unnecessary pressure from flu. Uh, Dr Tate says he can't emphasise enough that if you are usually invited to get a free flu jab due to being in one of the eligible groups, for example, over 65 years of age, have a long-term health condition or are pregnant, be sure to get one. Your surgery will invite you as normal, but may be doing things differently this year 
Additionally, people on the NHS shielded patient list for COVID-19 are also eligible for a free flu vaccine and it is vital this year they receive it. The list of conditions isn't definitive and your GP can assess you to take into account the risk of flu making any underlying illness worse, as well as your risk of serious illness from flu itself. It is more important than ever that everyone who is eligible for their flu vaccine takes up the offer, as the vaccine provides the best protection available against a virus that can cause severe illness at any time, let alone against the backdrop of the COVID-19 pandemic. To find out more about who is included, check nhs.uk forward slash flu vaccine. And later in the year, the, the vaccine may be offered to otherwise fit and healthy people aged 50 to 64 who would not normally be invited. Please do not contact your surgery about this at present. Climate activists from across Worcestershire are preparing for protests in Worcester this week. Members of the Extinction Rebellion are to hold two protests in Worcester. One is going to be on the 25th. The first, on Friday, will see the group put up flags and banners on bridges across the city with environmental messages. This will be followed by a die-in Worcester's Cathedral Plaza on Saturday morning. In a newsletter, the group said, We will be on the streets of Worcester City Centre to tell Worcestershire County Council to act now on climate change. We will have multiple groups of six rebels taking to the streets of City Centre with an outreach person in each group. <clears throat> we have three groups of faceless bureaucrats, a group dressed as bees, groups in normal attire as well as the guardians of Earth. The socially distanced die-in will be held from 12pm noon on Saturday and will see protesters lie on the floor to symbolise extinct species. Extinction Rebellion has held a number of protests in Worcester. Last year they brought rush hour traffic to a standstill with a protest on Worcester Bridge. The action saw cars queuing for several miles back through the city and there were similar demonstrations in Morven and Evesham. Earlier this year, members of Extinction Rebellion's Worcester branch called to the Guildhall with messages for City MP Robin Walker. Elsewhere in Morven, members of XR Morven Hills walked to the offices of West Worcestershire MP Harriet Baldwin, also carrying signs and calling on Mrs Baldwin to lobby the government for more action. Both MPs were in Westminster at the time, so missed the protests. Uh, from the 22nd. A woman who broke a baby's leg by using force in excess of rough handling has been spared jail. Amy Chandler, aged 27, of Old Coach Road, Droitwich, had already admitted child cruelty when she was sentenced at Worcester Crown Court. The defendant willfully ill-treated the child, causing a metaphysical fracture to the child's right leg. The injury came to light after a health visitor noticed unexplained marks on the child's face and further health checks were carried out. Simon Phillips, prosecuting, said experts ruled the injury had been caused by pulling, twisting, gripping or shearing force, which was in excess of normal or rough handling. 
Bruises to the cheek were caused by a gripping or pinching action. The initial explanation put forward by the defendant that the injury occurred while trying to reposition the child in the bath was an unlikely mechanism for the injury. Chandler later accepted she must have used excessive force, but her actions were never deliberate or intended to cause harm. The most important factor is that this defendant admitted causing the injury, said Mr Phillips. Experts said the child would have screamed out in pain. The defendant said she was utterly devastated that my actions have caused harm. Chandler had no previous convictions. The child has suffered no lasting effect from the injury and no further treatment or intervention has been required. Jason Aris, defending, said this defendant is a very mild-mannered, considerate young lady. He also described Chandler, who works at Subway in Worcester, as hard-working and the references he handed to the judge expressed some degree of surprise about what had happened. Mr Aris said Chandler had pleaded guilty at the first available opportunity before the Crown Court and had been identified by the probation service as being at a low risk of reoffending. She has expressed a considerable amount of remorse in my submission, he said. Taking into account her previous impeccable, indeed positive, good character, Judge Nicholas Cartwright imposed a 12-month community order to include 25 rehabilitation activity requirement days. He described the incident as a momentary use of excessive force and ordered her to pay a £250 contribution towards costs. And that brings us to the end of this week's recording. I'm going to finish with the thought for the day. And after the music finishes, I will then read the obituaries. So the thought is taken from Psalm 102, verses 15 to 17. The nations will fear the name of the Lord. All the kings of the earth will revere your glory. For the Lord will rebuild Zion and appear in his glory. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. So it just remains for me, Elizabeth Hill, to thank my fellow reader, Sue Perry and engineer John Plush. And to sign off, hoping that you all stay fit and well. And we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, um, deaths announced within the last week are uh, David Keith Smith, who passed away on the 14th of September, age 56. A private cremation will take place. Um, Donations, if desired, to St Richard's Hospice or the Good Soil Trust can be sent to EJ Gummery and Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU. And this is Jeannie Young, MBE, who passed away peacefully aged 82 and she was on the Board of Trustees and I think the Chair at one time of St Richard's Hospice. Um, she passed away September the 14th. Uh, there is no announcement re the funeral, but donations for St Richard's Hospice um, to E Hill and Son Funeral Directors of Pershaw, WR10 1HZ. 
John Henry Hines um, passed away August the 24th. His funeral will be at the Vale Crematorium on Tuesday. It will have happened, actually, September the 22nd. Um, donations for St Paul's Hostel can be sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services, Worcester 748811. And here's a GP, Dr Margaret Cecilia Davis, retired Worcester GP, who passed away on the 1st of September, age 76. A private family service will be at the Vale Crematorium on the 25th of September. Uh, Family flowers only, but donations for Cancer Research UK or the Dogs Trust to EJ Cymru and Sun Details as before. Anthony Michael, known as Tony Watton, passed away September the 8th. The funeral service will be at Worcester Crematorium Monday, September 28th at 10.45. Family flowers only. Please dress formally with a splash of purple, except please remember that numbers are limited. Uh, Donations, if desired, to Stroke Association for the Young can be left in the box or... Um, sent to AV Band Funeral Directors. And Olive Vera Buck, nay Proger, who passed away September the 12th. Um, her funeral is on September the 29th um, at Worcester Crematorium at 10.45. And I believe there is one more. Uh, Iris Wakefield, who passed away September 14th, um, and her funeral is at the Vale Crematorium in Fladbury. Um, limited close relatives, um, donations to water aid can be sent to E. Hill and Sun Details as before. Our thoughts and prayers are with all of those who have lost their lives and their loved ones recently. <laughs> 